Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. All right, I want to talk to you today about finding the narrow road. Matthew chapter 7, 13 through 20. I'm going to read that. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Now how are we going to know the difference? He tells us. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Just in case we wondered about that. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is Jesus speaking, of course, uh, hastening to the end of days. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And that's our, that's our real point, our takeaway there. Is we're going to know, how will we know the difference between those who are false prophets, those who are moving falsely, is by their fruit. And we're going to talk about that today. We want to talk about how we can find that narrow road and stay on that narrow road. Because it is a little disconcerting, isn't it? When you think in terms of these days and times and those uh, that call themselves or identify with Christianity or, or, or say that I am a follower of Christ. But what Jesus is saying, look, it's pretty simple. If you're a follower of Christ, you're going to have fruit that follows that. You're going to, you're going, people are going to be able to look at you and say, oh yeah, just like they did the first Christians. As a matter of fact, that's where the word came from. They called them Christians because they acted like little Christ's. And so they didn't have to go around saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. They knew it by their fruit. They knew it by their works, their actions, their path. You know, because we're so filled with many questions, we tend to just either give up or just drive on and pretend to ignore what is going on around us. Because certainly this is a time for Christians to really, we're digging deep. We're trying to, to, to understand where do we fall in this culture and the changes that we see. Jesus said that the two sides would not be equally matched. He said, few find that narrow road, which is, as I said, it causes us to want to press in more to say, as Paul said, to work out our fear, or work out our salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, to find ourselves clearly on the right path. Jesus tells us to watch out for those false prophets. And that's people telling us things that would not be supported from Scripture. Okay, and I want to make that clear. We're not just talking about somebody who walks in with a white suit and says, I'm a prophet for Jesus. No, we're talking about anybody who takes the word of God and begins to proclaim it, okay? And speak, tr try to speak truth into your life. And if that truth is tainted or if it's, it doesn't smell like scripture, then it's something that we need to reject. And if we're still not clear, then we look at the fruit, what is the fruit following behind their life? What is surrounding them? So, you know, here's an example. Jeremiah was 
the only one of the prophets that was telling the king that uh, telling the king that the Babylon was coming and that the people would be taken into into uh, captivity. And so the king gathered around him other prophets. He said, "Well, I know what Jeremiah says because Jeremiah is always the doom and gloom prophet." He says, "Let me hear from the other prophets." So he brings the other prophets in, and of course they're looking for the opportunity to find favor with the king. And so they say, "Oh no." You're gonna, the enemy's going to come, but you're going to gore the enemy with these horns. And you're gonna, there's, no, there's no bad times coming. Don't listen to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah just humbly saying, no, I'll tell you what God has told me. The gig is up. Babylon is coming, and they will take you away. And God says, let them take you. Because this is a punishment, and you will need to suffer for 70 years. You'll be in captivity, and then you'll come back, having experienced... Um, the punishment for uh, the sins of Manasseh. And so here were these other prophets that were speaking. Everything's fine, everything's fine, everything, everything's fine. And so what I'm trying to do is say, in our times right now, that, that it, that's happening a little bit. You've got those who are saying, oh, no, man, this is getting away from the word of God. We're in trouble here. Matter of fact, I just reconnected with a brother that I grew up with uh, when I lived in Kentucky and, you know, I was interested to, to kind of feel out where he thought things were, and he was in the same place. He said, he said Brother David, man, we, we really need to pray. We need a revival over this nation. But then you've got those who say, no, no, it's good. Everything's fine. Everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's fine, you know, and that should cause us to be concerned. So how will we know them? Again, Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. See, this concept of fruit bearing is really what is at the heart of what I preach here at Valley. Okay? No one's perfect. Amen? We all are working. Uh, I mean, in our lives, we are, are seeking Christ. We're, we're submitting ourselves to him. We're growing day by day by the grace of God. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's not my job to judge, not your job to judge. Really, the, the, the only one who's the judge is the Father. Amen? And it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and it's our job to love and just present the message of Jesus. That's our job. And so um, here at Valid, that's our heart, is to continue to port, uh, press people toward the heart of the issue, and that is to grow in fruitfulness. So we love the world by telling them about Jesus and answering any questions they may have regarding this life without Jesus. And that is really where, where we need to kind of get our, find our moorings, if you will, is to remember we, we don't need to necessarily hold up Bibles and thump people on the heads with them. We don't necessarily need to go out there and, and preach hellfire and brimstone. What we need to do, first and foremost, is live this journey and bear much fruit. Okay? Because in the end, when it all kind of shakes down, People are going to be looking for answers. And they're going to be looking to the ones who have fruit. The ones who have, have, have said, you know, look, everybody else is falling apart. I mean, their lives are falling, their marriages are falling apart, their kids are falling apart, their finances are falling apart. But you're walking, you seem to be walking through all of these times, and there's success in your life, there's blessing in your life. What is it? Boom, open door, opportunity to share Christ. See, Christians are getting a, a pretty bad rap right now. You've, you know, we've talked about this before. We're told that we're judgmental, we're foolish, we're intolerant. But what about what we are doing really violates Scripture? I mean, or really violates what we've been told we've been given freedom, freedom to do. We know, 
that, I mean, no, we're, we're in this country, a, a country where people are free to, to kill human life in the womb. We're in a country where people are free, you know, to do anything they want to do for the most part. And yet you see those tables being turned when it comes to our ability to be able to communicate. And if they're going to take those abilities to, uh, to communicate away, then it's going to become more and more important that folks, that we, we are good trees full of good fruit. Amen? That's where we got to go. And perhaps that's what this shaking is all about. Fruit. This is what it comes down to. What about your life is working? Okay? We need to be brutally honest with ourselves. What about our life is working? And what isn't working? What does your vine look like? Do you have blooms? Do you have buds? Is the fruit beginning to grow? Is it spreading? Jesus said that you would know the different difference between a false teachers or false beliefs even by the fruit that it creates. So, and we're going to get a little deeper into that concept. So how do we cultivate some fruit? I want to look at Psalm 1, which is really just a powerful, very basic teaching on what, what Jesus was trying to get across. Let's read Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree that is planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Wonderful psalm, the first part of that psalm. So here's our answer in three easy steps for us this morning. Number one, we have to examine our path. If we want to be able to experience the kind of fruitfulness in our life that will help us go through any difficult time, to help us continue on this journey of growth, to be able to hear the well done thou good and faithful servant when we pass away. Then we need to start with the advice from Psalm 1. We need to examine our path. And it says here, blessed is the one who does not walk in step or in the path of the wicked. Okay, so there is a pathway. And the Bible tells us, Jesus said it's big. If you want to find, you, kind of, you might ask, well, where is that pathway? It's not hard to find because it's so big. And so many people are on it. As a matter of fact, it is going to be more difficult to find the pathway that is leading to righteousness and truth. That's the one where we're like, okay, where is it? Because, man, I tell you what, I, this big old highway, this six-lane highway, man, is where everybody's just, just going to town, talking on their cell phones, eating their donuts, you know, driving on. And it's so easy to merge into that traffic because it is the one most traveled but it says here that blessed is the one. And don't you love the way that starts? Blessed is the one who walks in step. I'm sorry, who does not walk in step with the wicked. I think I left that uh, not out, didn't I? I'm looking at that going, is it up there? I'm sorry, on your notes it's not. Just write that in there. False prophet alert.
Yeah, that's right. Aren't you glad for take backs? Okay, here we go. So examine your path, right? Blessed is one who does not walk in step or in the path of the wicked. So this is something interesting. We get blessed by just not doing something. You catch that? By refusing to do something, there's blessing waiting on you. And you know what? That's good news. Because for a lot of Christians, what we think in terms of is I've always got to be doing. And we've been talking so much about resting from our works, right? Resting in the Sabbath, resting in Christ. Here's, this, here's a beautiful aspect of what, what, what God has called us to in this journey. It's to just, just rest, man. Just don't get on that pathway. Blessed, number one, blessed is the one who does not walk in step. So if you want to know if you're on the, the path, the right path, look around you. Just look around you. And if, I mean, and if you find yourself in the company of the wicked, guess what? You're not on the right path. Pretty simple. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun growing ever brighter. Mm, I love that. That's a great verse. The path of the righteous. So you want to know what the path of the righteous looks like? It is a path that continues to improve. It's a path that goes from glory to glory, success to success, blessing to blessing. So that's why, look, that's why it's important that we do examine our life and we examine our fruit. You know, I got a little garden, a little box garden out there. It's been growing like crazy. And we go out there and we got our first three tomatoes. And uh, okay, they're little guys. They're just that big. And Benny's just going crazy because he's never seen that before. And it's just a wonderful family thing. Only problem is one of them started to get black on the bottom before it even had a chance. It was already beginning to cast its fruit. And it was, you know what I'm talking about, Randy? It was just getting all black on the bottom. And Ben is just like, oh, no, that can't be right. I said, well, son, you know, sometimes it happened. It's a bad fruit. So when he came back, it was missing. He said, where'd it go? I said, son, I had to take it off. It's bad fruit. So that the other two can grow. So, but let's talk about this growing ever brighter thing. The path of the righteous is one that is just, it's going to improve. You're going to see your, your fruit growing. There may be some times of pruning, but for the most part, you're going to see growth. And that's where we have to be brutally honest with ourselves and just say, am I growing? I mean, it's been a year. And we usually do that, you know, January 1st or January 2nd. We come back that first Sunday. Okay, how have we been doing in the last year? We don't have to do that. We should do that more. We should do that every day. Lord, is, is this week better than the last? Have I grown in more love for you? Have I, have I chipped away at the things that are coming against me? Have I, have I taken another step forward? And even if I've fallen back two, have I gone forward three? You know, Proverbs 15, 19, the way of the, in comparison, the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the way of the righteous is a highway. Hmm. Now, it's not talking about the highway that we know of. It's a highway that is elevated. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's, it's above all of the din of what's going on down there. It's a, it's a higher way, okay? And so, but the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns. You catch that? How are you going to know you're on, that you're, you're on the right road? It is going to be a road that's above. There's not going to be as much struggle there. But where you've run into thorn after thorn after thorn, we call them out in, the, out in the woods the wait-a-minute vine that gets you. You know, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's always grabbing at your ankles. And that's the way 
it says here of the, of the sluggard, of the one who is lazy in his desire to grow in the Lord, okay? So you need to look at that. that, that these are good testers for us, okay? Not a point of judgment, okay? So don't look at somebody and say, hey, honey, I think that's them over there. They're, they're sluggards. No, don't do that. Uh-uh. This is all about examining your own life. The righteous path will be uh, the one that others will want to emulate, Okay? And so it'll be about that path, the, the part of your life. They'll be able to look at you and say, man, they're, they're on a highway, man, and they don't seem to be getting held up. They don't seem to be going from struggle to struggle, but rather glory to glory. They said, you want to know what the, the path of the righteous is going from success to success, blessing to blessing, rather than just like, man, one battle after another. Now, there are times we go through battles, Right? We're going to go through battles, and we're going to go through struggles. That's not, we shouldn't immediately say, oh my gosh, I'm on the wrong road. No, we should say, okay, God, this is a part of the journey, and how I face the journey is, is essentially where the new fruit is going to grow. It's going to grow through that perseverance so that new faith can grow. The point will be, and my last point on this as far as examining the path, is my friends staying on the path, regardless of where Jesus takes you staying on the path. But Jesus didn't promise us an easy road. Matter of fact, if we take his path, that is a much dif more difficult path in, in some regards. He said, pick up your cross, carry it. Where we struggle, where we battle, my friends, is where we are not sure of where that next bend in the road is taking us. And a lot of times it's about what I do with my money. A lot of times it's the relationships I, who I choose to marry or who I, who, you know, where I'm going to go and when I'm going to do it or what I'm going to do with my body, what things do I eat and consume and bring into my body, whether it be drugs or, or I mean, those are the bends in the road that we have to decide, am I staying on the path with Jesus or I'm going to take this other path that takes me down and where everybody else is? And that's the last thing I want to say about the path is that it is a difficult path and sometimes a lonely one you find it yeah but he will be with you thank you and that'll be another thing that you'll know that you're on the right road is you'll notice that jesus is right there with you amen good word brother number two looking at psalm uh, one examine your beliefs to find to get to that place where we are we're growing in our, the fruit of our life examine your beliefs it says here delight in the law of the lord this person, who, this person who is, who's on the right road delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. Mm. You know, we have the law of diminishing interest. We know that our mind is an, is an amazing tool. I'm learning so much more about that these days, about neuroplasticity and all the things that go on in our brain, which is just incredible. And, of course, that's a gift from God. And so even when you have traumatic, traumatic things that happen to you, and we hear of post-traumatic syndrome and things like that, that, you know, with the Word of God, there's the power of the Word to literally heal the mind, to heal the physical brain. It is designed to be able to do that, and how much more so when it's the very words of God, the words of God that created us, that made every cell, and so here, we have to examine our beliefs. How, how, you know, I keep coming back to that. I harp on this as a pastor, but gosh, we have got to get into the word of the Lord. 
We've got to stay in the Word of God so that, folks, we can constantly know if we're on the right path or not. Because there is so much being thrown at us, so many things are being questioned, being repackaged, being recolorized. You know, the, the CG format of, 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 of deception is coming right at us. And the only way we can discern between the difference is it, the, the Bible tells us there in Hebrews that, it, that the Word of God helps us discern like a sword that divides between, you know, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The Word of God is the only thing that's able to, like a surgeon's knife, cut between what is true and what is not true. And especially as it becomes more and more difficult to discern that, when you have people that are dressed up and look good and smell good and are telling you this is the way it is with a big smile on their face. But you would also learn from Scripture that in the end times, that that's exactly how Satan is going to come as, as an angel of light. And that is how he's going to deceive so many people is because it will look enticing. It will look good. Okay? So we've got to examine our beliefs, beliefs here. Going through our notes. We know that God is a creator. The Bible teaches us that. And you know what? More and more, I really believe that what you know and understand about creation, Randy, you're going to like this because I know you believe this, is, is creation... And what you believe about your origins affects so much about how you act and live. And it isn't amazing that our origins were attacked back in the 1860s, and immediately after that, over the next 40, 50 years, the Scripture began being doubted more and more and more until what they considered the, the, uh, uh, the explosion of modern-day liberalism there in the, the turn of the century. Where did that come from? The doubting of who created us. Catch that. That's important. Very, very important. It's absolutely critical to your faith that you understand that you have been created by God and that God created this earth. Creation is where the Bible begins and wrapping up creation is where it ends. And everything in between is the people of God acknowledging him as the creator. Key. Don't believe me? Look at Acts chapter 4. I love the scripture. The church is being persecuted. Peter and John were thrown into prison. And they come out. They let them out and say, do not preach the name of Jesus anymore. They go back. And of course, they're like, well, we got to turn to God because we know what we've seen. We know what we've experienced. We know who Jesus is, and we're not turning back. And so they prayed. And the first thing they prayed, you go turn to it, look it up. They said, Dear Heavenly Father, who has created all things. It's awesome. They immediately establish that God is the creator of the universe. They get, that's the starting point. And you look at the Lord's Prayer. My Father, who lives in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's just like starting with heaven, starting with the Father, starting with the creator is so key for us to be able to get our beliefs straight. I hope you're following what I'm saying here. It's very simple. It's not more complex than I'm trying to make it. It isn't. What you believe about creation is absolutely key to helping the rest of your beliefs, your, the rest of your, theolo your, your theology, your doctrine, and how you live your life just flows out of that. So critical, which is why when young people go off to universities, that's the first thing that's attacked. Take away God as a creator, everything else 
falls apart. Big time. Acknowledging God as your creator opens the door to humility and a greater intimacy with God. By, that's exactly what they did. And you know, in the Acts chapter 4, you know what happened next? God shook the house where they were, and he poured out the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Not only did the church not retreat, it went forward with amazing signs and wonders. People were healed and set free and delivered. God is the creator. Key. Key. So examine your beliefs. What do you believe? Get it straight. That God is my redeemer. So we got to believe that God is my, our creator. We also need to know that God is my redeemer. Of course, Jesus saves, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. What you believe about Jesus and that he is your salvation. He alone is your salvation. Absolutely critical to your walking forward and staying on the right path. That God is just. How does the justice of God fit into all of this? Absolutely critical. Because I believe that an understanding, see, I think there's a lot of confusion out there regarding judgment, okay? Because see, a lot of people, they're getting into this, what is called, it's a grace movement, and don't let grace throw you. Because grace, what, what grace is, is God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. Of course, that happened in Christ. That happens every day as we walk in the Lord. But what is going on today is what we call greasy grace. And that is God that does everything and I can live my life however I want to. And it's bad. Because Jesus never said that he was going to, he came to fulfill the law. So I had, I had this uh, debate with a, a person recently regarding the moral law. And I said, look, Jesus made it very clear that the moral law is established. It wasn't just, it wasn't weakened in any way. As a matter of fact, he, he increased its severity by saying, look, you say don't commit adultery. I say don't even think it in your heart. You say don't murder. I say don't even hate your brother. See, Jesus amplified, if he did anything with the moral law, he amplified it. Only now he's saying, I'm going to help you walk in it. Before, we constantly failed and we needed sacrifice of sheep, goats, and bulls in order for there to be forgiveness, which would never be complete. Never. But Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed. Our sins are forgiven. He must and will continue to punish sin. Some people say, look, you know, um, when Jesus died on the cross, didn't he take the curse and the curses? We don't, we're not under the curse anymore. Um, no, it's not true. The curse does continue to exist, exist in this earth, and it will flow through the DNA of those who do not fear God. Not everybody in our past feared God. Not everybody in our family line feared God to the third and fourth generation. And so there very well may be a curse that's trying to light on your life the curse of certain kinds of sins, immorality, greed, idolatry, bitterness, that might be trying to light on your life because it is the judgment of a forefather. So are we, we're not under the curse, but look, you've got to apply it. That's the point, is that you've got to be able to say, you know what, wow. You know, I don't know if you watched that movie Hitch. Remember when Hitch brought her to the... Um, the New York, uh, um, the immigrant place where her family immigrated, and she found out, and Hitch found out that 
her grandfather was an axe murderer, and it wasn't a very fun moment. <laughs> he, he was excited about telling her that her grandfather was, came through Ellis Island, only to find out he was an axe murderer. Well, guess what? Sometimes we have that darkness in our past. And we, as Christians, got to rise up and say, you know what? In the name of Jesus, that curse will not light on me or my family or my children. I, in the name of Jesus, bind that. Bind murder, the spirit of murder, spirit of bitterness, spirit of immorality. I bind that over me and my family to break that curse. See, the, per- the curse can still light. But for Christians, we are set free from the curse, but it needs to be applied. Look, here's an example if you don't believe me. If you sin today, is that sin automatically forgiven? Think about that. It's not, is it? What happens when it is forgiven? What do you have to do? You have to, thank you. But you're on it today, buddy. You have to confess it. And you have to ask forgiveness. Well, why do I have to keep doing that when Jesus died on the cross for me? Because it's the application of truth. It's your soul connecting with what is true. But you know what? Truth without faith is just, it, it's like a Bible sitting on your stand doing nothing for you. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You don't sleep on, we used to joke about that, sleeping on our theology books and hope it got into our head. Amen, Lord, please let it come. You know, can't sleep on your Bible and get in there. You gotta read it. You've got to believe it, and you've got to apply it. You've got to pray it over your life. Okay. I got into a lot more than I wanted to on that one. But examine your beliefs. Number three, examine your fruit. Okay? Examine the fruit of your life. Psalm 1. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose life does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. We've read this already. By their fruit, you will know them. That's what Jesus said. What fruit? What fruit? What is this fruit going to look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because you can turn to Galatians chapter 5, and you can read what kind of fruit should be flowing through the life of a Christian. We, all, we call it the fruit of the Spirit. Check it out. By the fruit, I'm sorry, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Wow, this is Paul being really down to earth, isn't it? I mean, he's just saying, look, because he's, he's, he's talking to the churches who he knew were struggling. He knew they were struggling with getting along because some of them got a little too high and mighty. Some of them got to, well, I've arrived. Well, no, you're not, because you're not, you're not showing forbearance to your brother or sister. Here you are, have experienced so many great revelations, and then somebody comes in who hasn't experienced very many, and you're like, oh, man, look at you. You're a mess. Well, so were you. Forbearance is being able to look at those who are stumbling and struggling, struggling with the eyes of God. Some of these are basic. You know, to love people. Love needs to flow through our life. If we're not very loving people, we're missing that fruit. Joy. Joy, joy, joy. That, that needs to come from our life, doesn't it? 
But if we're walking around, you're just mad all the time, you're grumbling. I mean, the kids, they, they get me that sometimes, but that, that's because I turned 50, but we won't talk about that. But those are the days, man, when you've got to dig in deep and you just say, Lord, I want your joy. I want that fruit to flow through my life. And so by letting the Holy Spirit come, by just saying, look, I, I need you to pluck off that bad fruit because you know what? It's stinky, it's bad, and it's destroying the rest of my vine so that I want the, the, these fruit to grow in my life. I want peace. You go to bed anxious every night with the weight of the world and what's going to happen day in and day out. If you believe what Jesus said when he said, look, he said, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to be clothed in. Paul went on and said, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, or was that Peter? But be, but be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and petition, let your requests be known to God. In other words, don't let, I mean, let that peace grow in your life. That's going to be a fruit that people are going to see growing on you. But if all you're doing is walking around, I don't know how it's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen in the future. And man, I'm just really worried. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, you're missing some fruit there, baby. Kindness. Just being kind. Being good. You know, just having a general goodness that flows out of your life. Being quick to serve being quick to say, you know what, I am not going to uh, walk in that. You know, I tell people when it comes to blessing, that when you discover that you, you've got blessing, now catch this, this is pretty important, that when you discover that you're blessable and that God is going to take care of you, that's good. But you know what's even better? Is when you choose to give that blessing away. Or you choose to say no to it. Then I've got enough. But sometimes Christians get into this hoarding mentality. And it's like, man, I'm being blessed. Blessing, blessing, blessing. Hey, man, yeah, bring it on. You got more blessing for me? Come on, open the door. I'll bring, come on in. And their houses become just huge houses of blessing. Man, we need to be giving some of that away. Or we need to say, no, 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 don't. Mm -mm, I don't need it. Give it to somebody else. To me, that is the, that is the, uh, the epoch. That is the, that's the essence of what maturity is. Catch that. Faithfulness. Being faithful. You give your word, then follow through on that word. People, when we go to work and we call ourselves Christian and we say we're going to come in on time and we keep coming in late and late and late or the boss has, come, has to sit you down and you're over there speaking in tongues or rebuking the devil and they're just saying, look, I mean, the devil's not the one doing this. You just need to get up. All right? You know, I don't know if the devil has deceived you to stay in your bed longer. I mean, I don't, you know, your boss is going to be like, I don't know if he's into all that, but all I know is you need to punch the card when you said you're supposed to punch the card. And that speaks louder than anything else. Man, look at 1 Corinthians uh, 12 through 14. Some of us have the ministry of the resounding gong. Resounding gong ministries incorporated. Right? Bong, bong, bong. Folks, we make no noise. What it says is, look, man, he says, <laughs> without love... The gifts, speaking in tongues, laying on hands, prophecy is nothing. 
Got to have that love. That's the fruit that matters. That's the fruit that lasts. That's what we need to examine to see if that's what we're walking in. So, three things that we saw in this verse. You've got to examine your path, right? Examine. People will want to follow you if you're on the right path. Now, of course, they're going to want to follow you if you're on the wrong. You know, I've connected with some guys. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing this right now, but old buddies. And I reconnected with one just two weeks ago. And I'll just be honest with you. I, he was a Christian. His dad was a pastor. And I influenced him to not do, go to church anymore and to do some bad stuff. I finally found him after 52 years, or 52 minus 17. I found him, and I, called, I, I texted him. Then I found out from another person. I said, look, I want to talk to this guy. So I got a hold of him, and I said, dude. And see, my nickname was Moose in those days. And he says, David, that's your name? Your name is David? But anyway, we got on the phone, and we talked, and it was wonderful. And I, the first thing I did is I said, Randy, would you forgive me? I said, man, I led you astray, and I did it with all the gusto. He goes, David, I should have known better. He said, I should have shared Christ with you. I should have known that you had a seeking heart. He said, you know, you know, don't worry about that. He said, that was my journey. He says, but after so many years, I'm now following God where I need to be, and we both just had a wonderful time just praying and laughing, and it was wonderful. But sometimes you've got to examine your path. You've got to go back and see some of those parts and get them fixed. Success. We can interchange fruitfulness with success to some degree. Your fruit is going to come from what you believe and actually live, not just what you say. And that's really the point here today. Success is not measured by the win today, but by the lifelong building up of a testimony, of a belief system that bears fruit to the next generation. See, that's another thing, is that fruit that lasts. Not the fruit that just kind of... The fruit that you can see in your children, in your children's children, that's real fruit. That is why God called our offspring fruit in the book of Genesis. And we're going to talk about that in the fall. I'm so excited about that in the beginning series. You're not going to want to miss that. Success is not measured by financial gain. We know this is true. Success is not measured by the things we have accomplished. Success is what God says it is. And that is bearing fruit that will last forever. That's what real fruit is. And so, we want people to see that fruit. Because the fruit's going to benefit us, for no, no doubt, but it's also going to be something that people want to come pick from your life. Okay? Not too many people come and trying to pick from your life. Maybe it's time for you to examine the fruit. Amen.